This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for a very special mini-sode, the one and only Nick White. Hey. Thanks for joining me, Nick. Today we're talking about Ice Cream Man Volume 6. We are continuing down this delicious hellhole into the hellscape of uh, the minds of W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Morazzo on art, uh, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by good old Neon. Uh, this volume covers issues 21 through 24 for those of you who are reading single issues at home. And I'm just going to say before we get too deep into the discussion, full spoilers for the volume. So if you haven't read volume six, get on it. Go back, reread the whole series if you got to, you know, none of it's connected. But you know what? Maybe a little bit of it is. So let's just dive into this. Nick, we are. This is the sixth volume. This is the seventh episode of Ice Cream Man discussion that we've done what are your thoughts on this? Like, what? How are you feeling? Six volumes in Ice Cream Man. I mean, like, technically seven volumes, right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ice Cream, the quarantine <laughs> comics. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Weirdly, I I think I feel better about this series after volume six than I did after volume five. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see. And at, at one point, I sort of dug into this, but didn't dig into it maybe deep enough. I would love to see when volume five was being planned, plotted, you know, and when it, you know, when it came out, obviously five came out before quarantine comics, then it was quarantine comics, then it was six. Of course, someone would have to ask W. Maxwell Prince, you know, did quarantine comics affect your um, planning or plotting for other issues or things like that? Because five, I think maybe maybe it was just a reflection of the times in some ways but like five seemed like a really tough pill to swallow um around the time of quarantine Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh i think even when we read it i was like whew tonally all of the stories felt like very grim very dark and yes i realize this is a horror book i understand that that is (laughs) If you were to try to put this book into one, you know, core uh, genre, which I think is a little reductionist, but if you choose to play that game, it is horror and that's fine. But I've always felt that this book has managed to be tonally, you know, tonally diverse and sort of really explore different things, explore different feelings. Yes, in the end, there's sort of like an overarching feeling of unease um and sort of you know anxiety and tension but it 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 tries to hit on other feelings as well and i felt five really didn't do that i mean five five was so overwhelmingly just harrowing like it was such a dark volume i feel like coming out of that one i was like is this the direction that the series is going? Like, is this W. Maxwell Prince trying to imply that things are getting worse and we're actually feeling it beyond just the pages of the story? Like, because I I remember coming out of that volume going, shit, this is by far the darkest bit of the series that we've read so far. And it doesn't seem like there is any moat of hope, right? Uh, Compared to previous volumes, because I think there in each volume, there was at least something where you saw like maybe there was a, a an escape that could be possible but five was was just dark and it was overwhelmingly just harrowing is the only word i can think of you know yeah and and i think what was also very interesting about five and not that we want to discuss five forever but five also felt like for me the volume in which ice cream man himself was the least present 
interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, he really wasn't in it that much, if at all. And I think a lot of volume five was basically this core idea that, you know, ice cream man doesn't need to be up to his little machinations. He doesn't need to be plotting and, and whatever to, to make bad things happen in the world. You know, I think, I think five in a lot of ways was like, Hey, the world is pretty bad and I really don't need to do that much work, or at least I don't need to do that much work anymore. Everything is sort of set in motion. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of what five felt like, Uh, you know, especially, gosh, the whole story about Alzheimer's, my goodness. Um, Yeah. Keith in the, in the chat, who's hanging out with us as we record this said that it seemed like less ice cream man in the, in the volume made it especially dark. And I, I kind of agree with that. Like not seeing him making the plans really made that made things feel like all the work that he needed to do was done. And now we're actually seeing how humanity reacts and like going into this volume, like, cause obviously we want to talk about volume six. Yeah. 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 It seems like we're seeing more of that, but it feels almost a little bit hokier. Like, things are ricketier than in the previous volume, right? Like ricketier, like, good pun, good pun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, um, but like, it's, it's just kind of absurd, right? Like, I think a lot of this volume felt a lot more absurd in comparison to the previous ones. So I guess to, to get into volume six, you know, yeah. what, what were your thoughts um, as we're, as we're really like focusing in, I guess, starting with issue 21, you know, we've yeah. got this detective story. Like, how were you feeling about it? I really liked this. This volume really felt like a return to form of we're going to try some different things. We're going to experiment with some different tropes and conceits and ideas. Um, And with this kickoff issue, you've obviously got this whole film noir sort of thing. Uh, This whole like gumshoe, you know, the lady comes to the gumshoe and I can't find my husband. And, you know, I'm this hard you know, hard nosed gumshoe and I love cigarettes and I'm going <laughs> to put my pieces of yarn up on my push pin board and, yeah, you know, yeah. say, what does it all mean? And then smoke about another pack. And so you, you've got that going on. And, and honestly, this also feels like a real call of Cthulhu story to me almost because mm. those all seem to revolve around this idea that you've got this, you know, this detective and he's investigating this cult and the cult members are all like crazed and they have this weird iconography and they all don the robes and make sacrifices. And so there was a lot of that Cthulhu cult stuff going on for me, which I thought was, you know, kind yeah. of great. It, this volume looks and feels a lot like some of the earlier volumes, maybe like volume two or three in terms of trying all these different things and conceits. But it also has that sort of ubiquity of Ice Cream Man, which we've seen in volumes like four and five, mm-hmm, where you have mm-hmm. that new iconography, which is like that very minimalist ice cream cone. Um, you actually yeah. see the guy at the beginning of 21 being crucified on this new minimalist cone iconography that we're seeing recently of for Ice Cream Man. Mm-hmm. And we're also seeing a lot of the you know ubiquity of Ice Cream Man just all over the place. Um, whether it's that the push pins for his, you know, um, cork board are ICM brand or whether it's his cigarettes, which of course they are, they're mm-hmm. ice cream, they're ICM brand too. Um, so just that inespicable, you know, ubiquity of ICM, it's, it's here. It's still very much here, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I took a, a 
the the big thing I took away from the background of this issue was like the ICM thing I think has been around for a while and that's maybe you know just artists just or you know Marazzo just kind of saying like anything that can be branded we'll just label it ICM right um with rare circumstance uh yeah. rare one-offs where that doesn't happen but which is the- which is you, you can look at that and you know be super cynical and say well it's it's low hanging fruit and of of course you're going to do it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i think especially in this volume and not to cut you off completely but i just wanted to carry this train of thought all the way through the idea that ice cream man not to get oh gosh like hashtag controversial like the idea that ice cream man is like fully embraced like capitalism and branding and marketing mm-hmm. and we see this a lot with um rick's sweets which is oh, another yeah. branding you know this idea that like he's He's sort of letting like commercialism and marketing and all of this perpetuate his um, his whims. Now yeah. it's it's like a mechanism for him. Yeah, no, that that's exactly the point that I was going to make. Is that it feels like this is no longer Rick having to push himself. He's no longer having to drive around in his ice cream truck and try to like give people ice cream. Instead, no longer now, having to hustle. <laughs> yeah, and now instead he's got these multi like national companies potentially pushing this brand, um, creating commercials, getting people involved. I mean, we see it not just in this issue, but in later issues in this volume of the Rick Sweets thing being a like a thing that is common among the yeah. people. And and you know now it's like. Rick doesn't have to do anything. Ice Cream Man doesn't have to push his stuff because the people who he's torturing, you know, in in a in a lot of ways, are pushing his own brand. Like they they've started to just accept his presence as a normalcy instead of this strange thing that I think in previous volumes we saw people like were resisting. Um, and, and the thing that makes these issues interesting, and maybe this is kind of a bigger question for the whole volume, is that maybe the stories that we're focusing on um, in many, many issues are people who are not completely sucked into the world of Ice Cream Man yet, right? They uh, see that something strange uh, is going on. Yeah. And that's what I feel like this detective story is all about. It's not just him trying to figure out the mystery, which he ultimately doesn't. It's also him being one of the people that's saying, I keep fighting against this system. And, you know, it works really, really well for the noir narrative um, and detective narrative. I keep pushing against this system and it keeps chewing me up and everything's going wrong in my life. And then later in the issue, when he finally accepts and says, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to try to push back. I'm just going to live my life. Everything starts to go right for him, you know, and and that's maybe it's almost like a, you could pull this into a million different stories. The matrix, as soon as you stop relating, you know, pushing back, suddenly everything works for you inside the matrix. Maybe this is like Rick taking over this, this reality that these people are living in. Um, and anyone who pushes back ends up getting tortured a little bit. I mean, with the exception of a couple stories, I mean, cause later when you think about the, the, the telethon issue <laughs> that we're going to talk about, I mean, yeah. what was that guy doing, but existing, <laughs> Right. Um, but I, I think that's also a different piece of commentary. But I mean, for 21, that was kind of the feeling that I got is that he was investigating and he, people were trying to figure things out. And by the end, you know, the woman who came to talk to him joins the cult. And now she's in the system. She's no longer pushing back. She's just a part of this thing because she's like it's in, in sucked into her brain because she's part of the con- company who runs the cult, I think. And he's being led astray and he gives up because it's like I did all this stuff and I was burned in the end. So why am I even trying? You know, so yeah. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on, on this whole issue, I guess, because I'm I feel like I'm I'm so boxing now. No. Well, I mean, Keith says per- perhaps we're approaching uh, ICM Inc. And I mean, <laughs> I, I I think that's Rick Sweets. Um, yeah. Rick Sweets, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Which is interesting that you also sort of drew a Matrix analogy, which again, maybe we're a little bit ahead on this. But when we 
when we look at Rick Sweets, and especially when we look at the commercial in the telethon issue, Rick Sweets are definitely seen as being a form of escapism. You know, we see people eating it to deal with their stress. We see the guy who's, you know, sad about his grandma dying or whatever, who's eating it to deal with grief. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we see it as this form of, of of escapism, you know, and then, of course, at the end of the issue with that, we also see the marketing of self, you know, the the new right. medicine, self medication in a similar vein. So, yeah, the idea that the idea that Rick is selling something that will either sort of distort or remove you or allow you to escape reality is is interesting. You know, when you bring up the Matrix, I think that there's maybe some comparisons there. But like beyond that, I mean, I love the noir color palette of this issue. The the I scream poster when he sneaks oh, yeah. into the apartment yeah. is great. I also kind of want to know what this frown emoji iconography is about. I don't know if you remember, but he opens the book in the library, which again, like the detective finding the old cryptic tome in the library. Like this is such like a Necronomicon sort of thingy, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. this is like very, very Cthulhu tropey here. And it's interesting because there's three different chapters, right, in the book. I don't know if you remember this. And they aren't la- they aren't titled, but they have pictures. And the pictures are, it's a spider, and then it's an ice cream cone, and then it's a frowny face. Hmm. And I kind of wondered if those were meant to be sort of the trajectory of Ice Cream Man himself. Uh, I mean, minor spoilers to volume what? God, volume two? Minus, we we're in volume six. It's fine. I know. Everything yeah. is <laughs> if 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 you had somehow read volume six and you're here and you somehow didn't read volume two and you're still here, this is your highly specific warning, I guess, right. to leave. Correct me if I'm wrong. In his origins, wasn't he that freaking crazy ass spider thing that he transformed into on his home planet? And then he killed his dad or mentor or grandpa or whatever, whatever the fuck it was. I mean, we've seen Rick in a couple different forms in the series. And yeah, Yeah. Spider was definitely one of them. Right. That's interesting. I didn't even put that together like that. This could be a progression. Yeah. Uh, So you have the spider and and then you have the ice cream cone. Yeah. God. And think about this. Like. Are these icon- icons, and I'm looking at the page right now, yeah. figure 30, figure 31, figure 32, God help us if we get to volume, what, eight or nine, and these correspond with the issues, right? Because yeah. like, or, or is it the 30-second story? If you factor in the pre- you know, previous stories and one-offs, does this actually line up? I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that's that's very interesting to think that that could be Rick's progression. And what does the right. sad face mean? What does the yeah, sad face mean? We yeah. see it in the book. Um, we see it on the uh, on the cover. We see it on the note that mm-hmm. the um, cult guy hands to an ice cream man, not mm-hmm. the ice cream man. Uh, and then we finally see it, I think, towards the end of the issue. It's on the moon in almost right. sort of a Majora's Mask-esque kind of uh, uh, thing. So I, yeah. I'm very interested in that. I, I think that that will be something in the future. I yeah. did also find it interesting that at one point they mentioned that Rick's Sweets is opening its 21st creamery. This, of course, is issue 21. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. just a weird little coincidence or what's that? That's that's kind of fun. <sighs> Brother. Yeah. Again, we I feel like I, I hope I hope that that martin morazzo or in or whoever or, or you know w maxwell prince one day they'll finish the series they'll go back and listen to us talking about something like this and just be like 
they had no fucking clue what was yeah. going on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're always approaching something of an idea, but then I'm like, not the only we only are just going off of gut feelings and like errant little things that we potentially see. You know how much is intentional? How much of it is just Prince just saying, "Hey, Martin, just like or Martin, just like." put these little sigils all just over wherever smile. you just want put a sad face what is yeah, in the, it's yeah. just a sad face i got i what would make me so happy is if it really didn't mean anything but they start listening to this show and they're like shit like maybe we need to imbue some meaning in this <laughs> and it just starts if we have that level of power where we're just shaping yeah. the future of the book that would be um that would be a re- really a bad idea uh w maxwell <laughs> prince don't don't put that on our shoulders please right uh, right well um, remember authors authors on twitter always like don't send me don't send me your don't send me your story right 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 as much as we tag these guys on twitter and and stuff like that i hope to god they're not listening um (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah let's let's move on let's talk about issue 21 or 22 22. excuse me this is the advent calendar issue which going back and rereading this um for today's recording i forgot how fast-paced and strange this issue was because it almost feels hopeful uh in comparison to the previous issue so i don't know what were your what were your thoughts on this one yeah i mean on a very like elevator pitch sort of cursory level obviously this is a a a pretty serious story about a pretty serious topic um Mm -hmm. we have a main character who has discovered that she is pregnant and is sort of, uh, you know, at, at the young age of 18 and is attempting to decide how she's going to navigate this, you know, life changing moment that she now finds herself in. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably the best way of put it, to put that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 another one of these issues. And I love when they do this where there's sort of a real clever framing conceit. And like once you sort of figure out the conceit, you're sort of in on the game. And of course, this one is that there's an advent calendar. And for those who of our listeners who I guess aren't familiar with how an advent calendar works, I I, I suppose there's probably a couple of you. Sure. So you have this. Uh, it can be made out of cardboard. It can be made out of wood or whatever. But on each day of December, uh, leading up to Christmas, you open up the little door or container or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's um. There's an item, typically some sort of item or, or gift or it's a <laughs> little yeah. trivial thing, typically, you know, and that's uh, that's what you get for that day. And I think, of course, with this with this issue, you sort of have I wasn't reading it the first time through really paying that much a cl- close attention to what the items were. But mm-hmm. in rereading it, gosh, like there was a lot of extra layers to the items that were being sort of selected. Oh yeah, it. yeah. It's it's very cleverly like placed and and structured to to make this. I mean, twenty five pages or twenty four pages, you know, with each each page being a day of the advent calendar. And I really have to credit the team for coming up with a concise way to tell a narrative with one day being a page. Like that's just a that's just a comic book challenge. Like, can you tell a cohesive story in twenty five pages, one day at a time, one page per day? Like. I feel like other teams and other creators would struggle with this. And yet here we are with, you know, guys that definitely know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. I'm um, doing something pretty solid. I really enjoy that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a really, really solid issue. And yes, I mean, I think tonally 
compared to uh, even compared to this volume, and then certainly compared to the previous volume, uh, I, I do think it's more of a. I think it's 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 more of a. I, I certainly don't want to say help uh, optim. I don't know upbeat, optimistic. I think it's. <laughs> Can we say anything in this series is upbeat and happy? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. I, I I think really what if if you look at this issue as sort of being something that says that like if Ice Cream Man is sort of saying like in the last two volumes that people are inherently going to be like bad and that um they're going to look out for themselves and that in that virtue especially when we look at the 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 telethon issue where he says like see no one gives a fuck about this guy right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if we look at this issue sort of as saying what if what if ice cream man is wrong and what if we can look out for each other and what if we can you know take care of ourselves you know and that we sort of have a good support system, right? I mean, if you look at this issue, I think a lot of it says, you know, do you have a good support system? Do you have people in your life, you know, professionals in your life, people you can go to, people you, you know, trust? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 maybe if you do, things will be okay, I think. Yeah. And I think Ice Cream Man in most of the issues is basically saying, guess what? Like, there are a lot of people that don't. And there are a lot of people who are self-obsessed or self you know concerned and aren't looking out for others and those people make my job as ice cream man a heck of a lot easier i don't know maybe i'm just totally rambling but that was sort of my my take on this issue i guess no i Um, i i like that i think that there is definitely something hopeful about this issue compared to many 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 others that we've read yeah and you know and, and that isn't to say that you know all of ice cream man is a downer because i don't i don't think that it is i think it no. is it's bleak in some cases i think it's very it can be very like these are the horrors of our world thanks to ice cream man you know it's very much like crypt keeper kind of style like everything is terrible because the world can be terrible sometimes whereas this issue like it, it feels hopeful it feels like there is something that I think W. Maxwell Prince is trying to say in terms of like, we talk about a lot of these subjects so lightly, I think in some cases, you know, we talk about this, these, these ideas of like, yeah, we totally believe that, you know, you know, women should have a choice if they want to, you know, get an abortion, you know, that's their choice and they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, And, or, or even in this, but, you know, part of the issue, like her dad says like, oh yeah, I just blow my brains out. You know, like these are subjects that are not really like easy to talk about like i think if something like that happens to you maybe this is me reading a bit too much into this issue but like no no the the thought of bringing a life into the world or or taking your own life out of this world or choosing to have an abortion like these are not easy subjects and yet we talk about them so frivolously sometimes maybe without even realizing it like i think you know like we, we in, in just common you know vernacular in english you know we'll say like oh man i'm gonna kill myself this is so boring you know like that is a strange thing to think about when like that may actually have repercussions, you know? Right. And so the thing I took away from this issue was like this talk of like, you know, going to, you know, she goes to church and this preacher's kind of talking about things and she goes to the doctor and they're like, oh yeah, look how exciting this whole thing is. It's like, these are life changing choices that people can make. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what does it mean to, to, to do, to say these things so frivolously, I think is maybe what they were getting at. Maybe again, maybe I'm reading too far into this, but I really thought that that was like part of the point of the issue. I think Nick, you also made a very valid point. Like the idea of when you live in a world, despite how, you know, up and down it may be to have support systems in place is very hard to come by. And those that do have them 
are usually appreciative and it's like this is just a story of someone who was going through a hard time and yet they were able to get through it with the choices that they made because they still had their family together like her parents seem a little bit too much but at the same time i didn't think that they were being written in such a way that you're like yeah you're supposed to hate these people it's like no these right. people are just difficult but like all family can be difficult sometimes yeah so yeah i i think there was just like a a really interesting like this is a really interesting issue kind of smack dab in this volume or in the middle of this volume um where the next one especially you know uh or the last issue especially where there's like this telethon of like sorry no one cares you know right so yeah yeah um i mean there were a couple other interesting little weird little curious things i noticed with this issue um i kind of went insane trying to figure out why the number 24 was missing from the advent calendar on the cover and I obsessed over this for far too long where I probably was getting out my own cork board and putting up my own string. And then I realized <laughs> that, Nick, you're fucking moron. Uh, the door on the cover is 24 and the doors, uh-huh. yeah, the door just uh, is obscured so you can't see the number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked the I Heart, <clears throat> I Heart uh, Ice Cream Dad apron uh, that the <laughs> duck was wearing and yes. then her dad was wearing. Uh-huh. Da, 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 da. I mean, I thought there was like a, a interesting thing with the priest where she walks to if she goes to talk to the priest, you know, and he's cutting this this plant and uh, the plant is like this weird bubbly plant thing. And this might be me just like, you know, just kind of pointing at Marazzo's art and being like, yeah, this he definitely intended to do this. Yeah. Um, but it's like this weird bubbly thing that we've seen in a previous issue before that was like on an alien planet. Um, mm. And I think that was the same issue where um she gets the uh, plant seeds, the flower seeds, I should say, and they're called morning glories. I, I don't know. Again, might be me just reading too far into it, but it was kind of weird like that these weird plants showed up because they don't look like regular plants and they have that little like weird diamond symbol that we saw in the previous issue that the detective um, pulled the book at the library had that same symbol on it. Um, oh, yeah. So I don't know. Again, okay. little. Are they doing this on purpose or am yeah. I just going fucking crazy here now? <laughs> I mean, you know, as the series goes on, the idea that you're like trying to like pull callbacks like even further back just becomes more and more possible just because of how much content there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Coffee Bucks logo was terrifying, but spot on. Uh, yeah. The the Starbucks homage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What a what a subtle little thing that like if you don't look, you'd never see it, you know? And it almost looks like it's exactly that silhouette that's over the detective's bed at the end of issue 21 which is kind of creepy the only other thing i I do want to say about this issue because i do think this is definitely something is that the ob that she goes to visit the doctor um who they say used to be a cowboy um he's got these brownish orangish eyes Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that that's obviously i think it's supposed to be caleb especially the cowboy reference i think this is supposed to be some form of caleb and we'll see another person with these very, very distinctive orangish brownish eyes in issue 24. Oh. And I think it's a Caleb thing. And I would almost want to go back to the last volume when we have that Lex Luthor ish character in the mm-hmm. Superman story, yeah, which yeah. was clearly Caleb. And I wonder if he has this exact same very distinctive eye color because I think that there's something there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, the the weird thing I took away from that scene is that he says, "Do you see with your eye?" Like, yeah, what yeah. a weird thing to say to someone, <laughs> buddy. Like, you're you know, this is uh, you're not like a new age guru. Maybe you should check what you know your job is because I think you're gonna make people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a it's an interesting issue. I mean, again, I feel like it's definitely them trying to experiment with something that works really well. And yeah, I don't think there was anything major like as far as little iconography things or whatever yeah. that I pulled out of that beyond those things. I mean, um, yeah, beyond that, you've just got the normal, you know, ubiquity of ice cream, man, like the, right. the home Depot is called Rick's goods or whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm sure maybe some people will look at this issue and at the end say, well, like this doesn't seem like an ice cream man issue. And for me, I would say, yeah, it kind of doesn't. And that's, that's great. Like, honestly, <laughs> first off, that's fine. I'm okay with that. And and secondly, I think this book has shown up to this point that it is okay with taking the freedom to really sort of take little sidesteps or really just sort of tell stories in this anthology. It is an anthology series. Let's not forget. Right. And maybe right. an issue doesn't have to have that uh, ICM through line running through it. And that's fine. I mean, that's that's freedom. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I the The only thing that I think we didn't touch on is like, there's something with ducks in this, and maybe there's yeah. something that where I'm just not missing. I don't, or I'm missing that I just don't know about it. But um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, nothing says that Ice Cream Man has to show up or that they need to eat ice cream and it needs to say Rick. You know, all the pieces are there. <laughs> They're in the background, right? Like, yeah. everything is labeled ICM. There's all these little things and pieces. And if you've been reading along, You've probably picked on picked up on some, if not most, because I don't think that they're doing anything to necessarily hide it. It's just that you need to take in the full comic. And like, you know, I kind of expected things like on the Christmas tree for there to be something weird. We didn't see anything like that. So it's like, is this house sort of protected? Is there something Mm. I mean, like at the end, the dad's got like an ice cream man uh, sweater on. But like at the end of the day, like every day is a gift or every day a gift. Like there's there's like this pleasant ending that's like. Maybe there is like hope for the future if you if you are in a situation that allows for it, you know, and I think things could have gone poorly for her in in any other circumstance. But something happened that made this one work. Um, And maybe we're seeing kind of like the fruits of, of, of Ice Cream Man's labor is growing. But every once in a while, there is a story that doesn't have to be as corrupted by him as as most others are. Well, and I I think so many holiday narratives whether they're dramatic or comedic are always sort of based around the idea that like oh the holidays are such a hard time for people because well why are they a hard time for people oh i don't know what gift to get so and so and i don't want to see this relative this year and oh man you know i don't want to have to deal with all of the shoppers at the store and like those are the things that we normally hear about like a holiday narrative right like these are the things mm-hmm. that are stressing people out and so i think i think this story likes to flip that script on like oh well of course it's going to be like a you know a terrible story because i'm sure the family isn't getting along or whatever and in and, and in this issue it's like yeah things are definitely stressful but it's not for the the so-called real stressful reasons that most people think the holidays are about this is something yeah. way more serious yeah anyways yeah we should we should move on let's let's move into the next issue yeah uh, this is the talk talk show issue issue 23 it's mostly prose uh nick thoughts <laughs> yeah i i i think this will be 
probably the most polarizing issue of this volume. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And if you do believe that this volume is kind of a return to form in the sense that this book likes to just play with different structures and ideas, yeah, this one does play with a new structure. Uh, it's called uh, two-thirds to 75% of it is prose. Do do I think it works? Uh I, I think it kind of does. Uh, obviously, the the core can see here is that it's it's almost it's almost like I'd say like old fashioned talk show. We we still see some of this these days. They they every talk show we saw this on Johnny Carson even has the animal guy. I think with Carson it was like Jack Hanna if you remember mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. you know, and he would come on and he would bring the tiger in and and Johnny Carson would say, oh no, I I hope we're insured, blah blah blah, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Yeah. secretly you know you know hoping he doesn't get mauled to death, right? And we just have this you know just animal segment, right? Ha ha, it's dangerous. It's not dangerous. The animal runs across the room or jumps into the audience or no one knows where the snake went or whatever. And I felt that this issue wants to play with public, the idea of public perception versus what's sort of lying underneath the surface or, you know, in, in the terms of this talk show, what's happening behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have this uh, TV host and his name is, is it, is it Mitch? Mac Benson is his name. Yeah. And, and he's this slick guy. And what we end up with are these sort of chapters um, of prose that sort of discuss uh, his lead up to this moment with this um, animal guy and then Mm -hmm. what happens following. And I don't want to, you know, immediately give too much away. I mean, what were your initial initial takes? Because we definitely have not had an issue really this prose laden at all ever. Yeah, I I I was a. I don't know. I thought this was an interesting issue. The the prose really didn't really didn't put me off too much. I mean, W. Maxwell Prince is a is a very talented writer, and I think that his prose is is draws you in enough that like yeah, it's rapid fire. It's engaging. It's exactly fast. exactly. Yeah. And I I didn't feel like the pacing was off. I felt like scattering in with images of the action as it happened was really smart. You know, to try to break that. I think you run into sometimes with prose pages. You see this in the Marvel. Uh, books a lot where there's like a an info dump page and it just it doesn't hit well because the font's so small or it's it's formatted poorly and this is this this super worked for me so like um i i thought what was really interesting about this issue overall is the constant talk about the incident without and then the the, the deliberate suspense put into the story by having the animated drawn bit be yes. the incident happening slowly page yes after page after page like this is this is not necessarily an ice cream man story again this is this is them really playing with the format inside the ice cream man universe and saying like how can we do this really terrible thing um in the slowest way possible because the action itself is very fast therefore what can we do to draw it out and i think this is it's perfectly delivered and getting all the backstory kind of feeding into it it's like it's like watching it in two hour long movie where the major point of the of the story is happening in like a minute clip or like 30 second clips throughout a two hour feature and you're getting interviews and background to understand these people as things lead up to the climax um i think it's really smart really really smart yeah and 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 i think 
I, I think it sort of cleverly frames this idea of how can we end up maybe not feeling so bad about this guy and like being mentally prepared to handle this like horrible act of violence. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But by the, by the time we get there, we're like, okay, like maybe some of this makes sense. You know, we learned that this, uh, this host maybe isn't the most perfect person. He's clearly got issues at home. He maybe like, doesn't totally appreciate or respect this um, producer of his, but also maybe this producer is obsessed on a level with him that's a little bit unhealthy too. Yeah. Um yeah. we learn that you know he's got issues with like the interns and his assistant producers. Mhm. You know, the list goes on, but these are just things that we're reading about, you know, these aren't this isn't what's being presented, right? And I think that's what's sort of interesting like if you if if you look at the conventional comic book pages as what he's sort of like putting out there as his curated image. Right. And then you look at the pros as like, let me tell you what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. I think you Mm -hmm. have this sort of like, Oh, well, here's, here's the host and he's behind his desk and he's perfectly lit. And he's, you know, you know, had a, he's got his own wardrobe person and he's, you know, wearing makeup and he's had his hair done and he's, you know, seems to be in his element or whatever. And then, the prose is, well, let me tell you how things really are. Like, let me show you what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is interesting. And then obviously, I don't know if you caught this, his uh, logo for his show is clearly the Jimmy Fallon logo. I don't know oh, if yeah. it's, you've it's seen that, but it's, it's tonight show. Yeah. It's yeah. tonight show logo. I mean, yeah. it all, I mean, this is a very thinly, mm-hmm. you know, parodied version of the tonight show. Yeah. I mean, like the, the things that really struck me about this is that, I still felt like it's all still tied into the universe, right? Like this feels very much like I said, an experiment, but like if you're, you know, again, you've been reading ice cream man for a couple yeah. of volumes and now you like, know that Rick Saccharin is ice cream man, right? Yeah. Rick's there. We, you know, we get the kid, you know, when they're handing off the vulture, right? There's the little kid oh, uh, who had the balloon, right? The from balloon. the previous things. Yeah. And that little kid shows up later in the oh, prose, right? Same God. with the dog in the straight jacket. Like all of these things tied together. Like there's these these common common elements that I don't understand why they keep reoccurring, but they do keep reoccurring to re- kind of almost remind you this is still in the ice cream man universe. Like don't think for a second that we've escaped. Um, And, and again, this, this brings back this idea of altered reality, these similar things happening to numerous people in different aspects of the world have, you know, they all go to hospitals and they all see this dog in a straitjacket and this kid with a balloon, you know, what, what is it? What does it mean? You know, and that's maybe we'll never get that answer. Maybe it's just there to remind you like in a weird uh, twin peak style, like did we ever get answers about, I don't know anything. I didn't fucking watch Twin Peaks, but like there's the weird black and white room, right? That like, what was the point of that? What is the series? And maybe Nick, you know, but um, still like (laughs) there's like these these things that kind of just keep dinging you and saying like, this is not the the perception of reality that these people are seeing or maybe the perception of reality that we're seeing through them is not true or it's altered in some way. And these are the commonalities between them. Right. So like, I, I don't know that again, this is. It's an interesting issue, but like that's the thing that I, I was reminded of upon a reread was like, there's still Ice Cream Man elements to this, no matter how far astray this feels. Yeah, it was it was it was an interesting it was an interesting exercise to be sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I do think, honestly, that he does seem to be 
a pretty capable prose writer, and it does seem to clip along at a rate that I think even people who are a little bit leery of, of prose and comics, especially this much, will, if, if you give it a chance, I think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, let's let's move into the last issue, um, and then we can give some overall thoughts when we wrap up. Um, yeah. But the last issue in this volume is issue 24. Um, it's the telethon issue. I think that the cover has like a wonderfully terrifying um, ice cream man in black and white that like is really striking, um, if only because it feels old school, but at the same time, like very deliberately designed to be like a poster for something. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it what feels I, like an old timey flyer for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess like this issue to me. It put me right back on the depression train. <laughs> if only because I like, mean, okay, okay, what a that's wild interesting. Issue. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. What were what were your overall thoughts? I guess for me, uh, again, like I think I think if there's anything that we've learned from this volume, and I think anything that we've learned from previous volumes, it's like don't try to pigeonhole this book because oh, it's yeah. going to go places and do things that you don't think it will. That said. Like if we personally, like if I think about a lot of the issues as sort of an anthology, dark, uh, dark humor, horror element, like this issue feels almost like a return to form from what we've seen in a lot of issues where there is something sort of uh, humorous about it. But it's also, you know, very, very serious. And, And of course, in this issue, it's basically a. PB it's it's the PBS pledge drive from your from your youth that you remember except it's for Jerry's life uh right right the you know the uh the save Jerry's life fund right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um yeah it's uh it's it's interesting because we we follow around this guy named Jerry uh he thinks something is wrong with him he thinks that he's ill uh that he isn't feeling well uh but everywhere he goes they seem to tell him that you know you're fine or, you know, the doctor says your blood work is okay. But there are people in his world that come up to him and say, oh, well, we're rooting for you, or we hope things turn out okay. Because, of course, they seem to be knowledgeable about this um, fundraiser. And, yeah. and Jerry is just oblivious. Um, it's, it's such an absurd thing. Like, that. Th- this issue really shook me because I was like, does Jerry not realize what's going on? Is he not supposed to? But people keep talking to him, right? right. And I, all the while, like, are we watching a dramatization of Jerry's life? Like, there, there's like a really weird, like, Moebius strip style of storytelling here that's happening where Ice Cream Man is clearly, you know, this announcer on this TV show talking about Jerry. He knows everything there is to know about Jerry, and it's so perfectly relevant to the bit in the story that's happening in jerry's life it's really kind of a question and plus we get these inserted ads these fake ads for rick's sweets raspberry surprise and it's like are we watching a tv show are we are we witnessing jerry's real life is this a cutback is it is it what is the flow that's supposed to be happening here and i I don't expect there to be an answer and i'm not saying Mm. that this is a negative thing but i do i did find it really unique the way they approach this this issue if only like to kind of make you question what's real and what's not is this telethon thing actually happening to jerry is this like an altered out or like state of reality where jerry is being affected by some outside force and has no idea but some people in or on are in on it and some people aren't um because clearly jerry is getting worse and not doing good (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And Ice Cream Man is is commenting on it and making is he making it worse? Is his discussion of it actually the problem or is Jerry actually having a problem? And Ice Cream Man is just commenting on it and reveling in the in the horror. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think to sort of get at that question, um, and I don't know if this resolves it, but it certainly does feel like it certainly does feel like Ice Cream Man. How do I put this? Like is is sort of setting Jerry up for failure. Like yeah, if yeah. you read between the lines, it's it's like the game is rigged, right? The the deck is stacked. We see this, and I think you can read both ways into this, which I think is interesting. Uh, the number that you're supposed to call to help Jerry is five 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 one two three four. Now, if you're someone who maybe knows a little bit about pop culture, you know that five 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 numbers are typically used in movies comic books, television shows, novels, whatever, yeah. um, because 555s aren't real. And that's because they didn't want people calling 8675309 anymore because it was a song. <laughs> uh, all joking yeah. aside, that was a big part of it. Yeah. And so 555 numbers exist. And what's kind of interesting is if you look at the 555 number, you can go, well, that's W. Maxwell Prince basically needing to make sure he doesn't have people calling a real phone number, even though we all know that viral marketing does well, make fo fake phone numbers. But what's interesting is if you think about this in a different way, you can say, huh, Ice Cream Man is using a fake number that doesn't exist. Right. So Jerry doesn't have a fucking chance because right. the number isn't real. Well, on top of that, two pages later after that, like, again, I'm skimming through this as we're talking, like, yeah, the announcer Ice Cream Man character is like, you're reading a comic book right now. And he's of like, course. I will kill this dog <laughs> if you turn yeah. the page. And then, of course, you turn the fucking page because you're reading a comic, right? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, Michael, I do want to point out that Ice Cream Man does mention that it's a comic book and he holds yeah. it up and he mentions that it's uh, made of paper. And I read uh -huh. it digitally. So I'm absolved in this ah, dog's. I I'm see. absolved in this dog's death. I have okay. no. Yeah. Well, to all you print buyers out there, <laughs> yeah. shame on you. <laughs> the 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 digital versus print um, debate just took a whole new twist. Uh, so, did, so Nick, really quick though, did you read the single issue? Or did you read the collected edition? Um, I read the uh, single. I read the okay. single issue. So, yeah. in the collected edition, maybe this is different in the single because they do this sometimes with lettering. It says, oh. "Drop the quote graphic novel in your hands right now, and I'll donate my own money." Um, I wonder Whoa. if it's a single issue in the in the version that you have, <laughs> which is just like this is again people listening at home if you've gotten this far thank you also like this is us just going this is a fun little detail like i don't think this has anything to do with the, the oh story God. i just think that's like, great what a what a fun little bit to throw into your comic like this what is a this wild is the, one too because how many people are going to figure this out right right well you I either mean, have to talk to someone else or you have to own both right 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 or you have no clue right it's just a fun little like thing to like subvert your your expectation while you're reading this book like is he actually talking to me and this adds another layer of like realism of like yeah there he someone might be talking to me um it's such a fun i don't know i fucking love how smart that that feels it's not like it's a really like kind of dumb fun thing um yeah. but it but it feels yeah. really clever um when you kind of start to analyze it um a little bit yeah and and i think what's interesting about about this issue and then also specifically if you look at in the advent calendar issue where we have the uh oh what is it is it a termite it's it uh it's a cockroach it's cockroach. A cockroach right yeah so we have this cockroach that 
was it alive? Was it not? Was it dead? Was it moving? And of course the, uh, the therapist I think says, you know, based on what you're going through, this could be like mild psychosis and puts Mm -hmm. her on Xanax. I think when I look at that moment, and then when I also look at some of the stuff in Jerry's life, maybe one of the ways you could read everything going that Jerry's going through is that maybe it's all somewhat in his head. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Especially the idea that he's talking to these people and they seem to be aware of it, but he doesn't. Like, is he really encountering these people in the same way that, you know, was the was the cockroach really alive or not? I don't know. But, I mean, you're definitely not wrong in the sense that it is very confusing in this issue. What has happened? What did happen? What is happening? Right? Like, is this mm-hmm. past tense? Does Jerry really have a chance? And, of course, I think at the end of the issue, we know the answer to that. Um, I think that that does sort of become clear. Yeah. I mean, and and of course, the, the reason, you know, I said originally that this was really depressing is like, no one cares, like, in the, or at least they don't care enough to actually do something about it in the moment. Right. Which is which is really just depressing in, yeah. in, in such a strange way that like, yeah, you know, the, the guy says to him, you know, I got, you know, money's a little tight right now. But as soon as I get some, I'm going to call boss. that number, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's like, like. Everybody seems to be saying that to him. Even after he dies, the doctor's like, oh, it's my anniversary. I got to get out of here. Like, there's no reverence. There's no yeah. nothing for this person that has just died. Like, it's so frustrating. And then, of course, at the end, the the, the last thing, one of the, the callers says, like, oh, we forgot to plug the phones in. Of course, no one could call. Like, things were doomed to fail. And, I, of course, just like the number thing that you said, Nick, it's all like just ice cream man fucking around just to just to say like i intentionally set this up to fail um and i got your hopes up intentionally to to make sure that nothing could actually you know you would basically feel feel bad about this in the end um this is like almost them breaking the fourth wall beyond just pointing out that this is a comic book like this setup for failure is almost comedic in the way that like no one cared and there was no point and there was nothing and it all falls back to rick's nihilism of like nothing matters everything's doomed um so like at the end i just you know it's consistency good on these guys <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it really if if you I, I i think it's easy to say you know oh this is like the idea that maybe people aren't looking out for each other and it's just about uh jerry encountering a ton of people in his life that are some of them uh, well, that's what's weird, right? Some of them are very aware of what's going on and they're like, oh, we hope things are okay. And then like other people like have no idea about what's going on. Um, it is interesting. The doctor he goes to, again, this is what I was talking about. If you look at the doctor he goes to who says his blood work is fine, his doctor also has these very distinctive orange brown eyes. And the mm-hmm. doctor even says to him, have you considered the idea that maybe you're um, an unwitting participant in a televised fundraising event, you know, and of course mm. he's smiling because it sounds funny. But again, if you view Caleb as this character who like uh, even what he says to the girl, like, do you see with your eyes? Right. If you see Caleb as this character who sees beyond the illusion, right, mm-hmm. this character mm-hmm. who sees beyond the illusion that Ice Cream Man is creating and and sort of wants to bring the truth to light. Um, I, I think in both cases, you also you have these sort of truth teller characters that are that are attempting to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also super interesting. This is like this is the one moment that like dawned on me that's super fucked up, right? So first off, you know, he says, "Oh, we forgot to plug in the phones," which is clearly not true because people are calling. Mm-hmm. But at one point, 
I think Rick says, or one of the one of the people that's taking the phone call says, "Oh, you know, someone just called in, and they're they're not going to pledge anything, or they're going to pledge zero or whatever." Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is super fucked up, okay? Because like this is not a telemarketer who calls you, right? And you say, "I'm not interested," right? This is someone calling in, right, unprompted, mm-hmm. calling in to announce that they are going to give nothing. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. fucked up is that? Yeah. I mean, and it just comes back to this, like, there was no point. Like, it's this just negative swirling pool of, of nihilism of, like, there is no point to anything. Um, why even hope, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And then, of course, the final pages are this whole, like, take this self-medication thing to improve yourself, which... What what is what is that? Is that a is that a positive message? Is that like pills will solve everything? I don't know if if that's positive or negative, but it's definitely a, a strange way to end the issue, you know, with this very <laughs> depressing, uh, in loving memory thing with Jerry. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a very nothing burger of a um uh, obituary announcement yeah. at that, you know. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, what a what a volume. I guess like we've been talking about it for a lot. So I guess what are your what are your final thoughts on this thing, Nick? I mean, there was one other very weird thing about issue 24. And I think I'm on to something here. I just didn't have the time to do the digging on this. And I okay. knew something was going on. And I have to figure this out later. So if you look at all of the women who are answering the phones during mm-hmm. the pledge drive, I don't know if you noticed, but they're wearing this weird sort of checkerboard getup, mm-hmm. and all of them are wearing that. And it's the exact same getup from the main character from ICM number 15. And if even if you go look up the main cover, if you go look up, if you go Google uh, Ice Cream Man uh, number 15, right? and just it's she's on the cover wearing the exact same suit. I don't know. I, it feels too much like a coincidence to just right. be like... There's something going on there, and I didn't remember enough of issue 15. I know it was called the coat check story, and she ends up wearing someone else's coat. I mm-hmm. couldn't remember the rest of the story, but I feel huh. like there's got to be something there because it's so weird that they're all dressed like her, and I don't know, yeah. what, and I don't know what that means. But if you've <sighs> looked at the image, you can you can see what I mean. So. I mean, I it just sounds to me like once this series eventually concludes, we're going to do a whole retrospective um, and we're going to we're going to get the fucking corkboard out, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. What's gonna we'll, happen. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, I'm sure. Uh, and then, yeah. of course, the the dentist in 24 is the dentist from the quarantine comics issue. Yeah, um, he's got the uh, superhero poster in the background. The bubblegum guy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Pinky so. ring. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, like in terms of overarching points. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're asking. There's a really weird through line in this book. And I don't know what this means. And I hope like this isn't maybe W. Maxwell Prince is, is dealing with something. But there's like a through line of divorce in this book. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this. I did. Um, the detective's wife is divorcing him. Jerry's wife is uh, bringing about divorce papers. What were the other two issues? Uh, Max oh, getting divorced. He's getting divorced. Yep. The yep. Uh, the TV host is getting divorced. Um, and then, of course, there isn't really any divorce brought up in the uh, advent calendar issue. But that sort of, in some ways, is a little bit of an outlier. So, mm-hmm. But the rest all mention or have an envelope 
or discuss uh is it sweet and company uh sweet sweet and associates i think law firm Mm -hmm. uh, in their in their in their divorce attorneys and so i don't i don't know what that means but it's in (laughs) it's in every issue like this theme of and it's not like at the front and center it's just this background thing Mm -hmm. um Sweet and Associates divorce attorneys, yeah. But I I think previous volumes have had similar themes, though. And I don't know if that's like an intentional, like, uh, you know, subtext to each volume. But I think if we went back and looked at the previous five volumes, we'd probably see something similar to not about divorce, but about a thing. Yeah. And I think we've noted on that before. But I I do feel what you're saying, because it's there. Like, marital strife seems to be at the center of this volume, you know? It's interesting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, you know, it's not just surface level. It is definitely part of it's definitely part of the detective story and mm-hmm. definitely not as much about uh Jerry. We don't really touch on it that much with Jerry, but we do have that argument that he has with his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And certainly um the TV talk show host, we get to read a whole bunch about <laughs> yeah, how yeah. they're not getting okay. So I mean maybe, yeah, maybe it's it's actually a bigger bigger I part mean, it's than a, I thought. It yeah. is a through line. I guess when I say it's at the center, I mean like each volume touches or each issue touches on it to the point where like you can't ignore it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's maybe there's something there. But again, it's is it tied is it is it coincidence in that it just needed they needed to bring up this sweets in co you know divorce or this attorney company or something Mm. else because like the rick sweets thing is also a reoccurring thing like it it happens in a couple of issues so like again this is more just permeating i think of the ice cream man right he is everywhere he's touching every element of things it's not just one thing it's all things yeah and i mean what is divorce if not just another form of discord between people so definitely that's something he would be interested in so exactly well, I mean, what a fucking volume. I mean, my, my, my overall thoughts are just, yeah. I'm glad that this one wasn't so depressing, I guess. But uh, even with the last issue, I, I think like there is a question in my mind of is where is the turning point? You know, is this series going to have a turning point? You know, I think you and I, maybe maybe I've I've been leaning on this quite a bit is that there is a larger narrative here. There may not be. And yeah. we're, maybe we're looking into things, but I do think that it's, it's odd to look at this series and not say there's something bigger going on, um, especially when you compare earlier issues to later ones or even even issues from middle volumes and stuff that we've seen so far. Like there is an, a permeation, a growth, an expansion, a, an, a change of Ice Cream Man's persona in terms of how he presents in the world. Like we get issues like the Jerry issue where it's a telethon and it's clearly Rick doing mm-hmm. his thing but mm-hmm. then we get like the advent calendar no ice cream man at all and i think you know like keith said earlier you know no vo- ice cream man in volume five at all it was like a departure from the series but at the same time it's just an evolution of the character he doesn't have to right. be the singular person he, he, he wasn't is... there at all and yet it was definitely the darkest volume exactly exactly yeah right so um i'm i'm very curious as to either if there is an end game or what it's going to be, because there is still unresolved conflict between Rick and Caleb that I think we need to see come to fruition. Um, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to when those moments come. So I'm I'm hyped, still excited for more of this volume. Can't wait to dig into volume seven when it comes out, which is very soon. I think it's coming out uh, in, in January. So I'm very excited about that. But yeah, fucking Ice Cream Man, you know, like what a mind fuck every month, every time we read this. <laughs> yeah, I... I... 
I, I, I'm definitely there with you. I think that I'm still kind of sitting waiting on that moment where we left in maybe volume two, end of volume yeah. three, yeah, where Caleb three. is in the back of the ambulance. And uh, God, are the drivers dead or they're like super high, I think? Yeah, they're high on all sorts of trucks. <gasps> Which is interesting because do you remember this? In, in this volume, in the prose section, when the wife goes to yeah. visit his yeah. her husband, she when she arrives at the hospital, it's the two paramedics talking to each other, and they're both talking about getting high on drugs. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Th- could this be a subtle progression of that plot? You know, it, maybe it's there in this volume. Well, it's like a lead up, right? It, it's like yeah. a lead up to what we or, know. So, well, yeah, again, Nick, this is where we need to start getting the, <laughs> the board out with the yarn because when yeah. did things, you know, we could, we could talk well, about that the all thing. day. Like a moment like this begins to go like, okay, maybe these volumes aren't all happening in, in a, in a linear progression. Right. Which I, <sighs> I don't know. You know, mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. There's, we will see in time, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll just leave it on this. I think as much as I've gotten impatient about like wanting to see that move forward, I think if you look at the idea that Ice Cream Man, as you yourself said, you know, in in some ways we've seen him evolve into not being, um, not showing up as the Ice Cream Man. In some ways, we've seen him moving on to take on other personas, and beyond that, we've seen him just not even there. I think. I still feel like we're seeing Caleb also changing and, and sort of evolving into these other personas. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So, well, there's like a yin and yang to this, to this pair, right? In that one has to, yeah, yeah, we hope. (laughs) Um, But I think that like, as we see ice cream man beyond uh, become other things, I mean, like I didn't even catch this, but it, it makes sense, right? If ice cream man is beyond just the persona of the ice cream man, and Caleb then has to match to adapt. Like he's going to show up in subtle ways as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not constantly in the foreground, not constantly as, as Caleb, but as, yeah. as something else, you know? Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see more of that. I know you read a little bit ahead, but we're not talking about that today. Yeah, we're not going to um, talk about issue so, 25. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, this is uh, another fun, fucking crazy volume. Um, I appreciate all the challenges that I think the team put themselves up to in this volume. I think Mirazzo has only gotten better. I think, you know, O'Halloran has only gotten better. Like, the noir issue alone shows that, like, the color work in this book is fucking bizarre and can do a lot more yeah. than, I think, the palette that we're used to. So, yeah. I I, I just want to make sure we touched on that because, man, it's you, you pointed it out earlier and I definitely agree. Like, the, the range on these guys is incredible and I can't wait for the next volume. Yeah, hundred percent. Completely agree. Well, I guess to, to wrap things up, you know, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at, oh, at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at IRCB Podcast. Um, and hopefully, you know, you give us a follow and like and all that kind of stuff. We appreciate it. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for access to exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. 
You can join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record, as such as our good friend Keith today did. There's a link to that in the show notes. And it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop next time you're there about the show. I mean, I know we damned print readers earlier, but I didn't mean it. Go shop at your local shop. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander's a super cool guy who makes us sound extra cool every single week by editing the show. I want to say thanks to Nick for recording this episode and this whole series with me. Thanks to Keith for hanging out with us live. Thanks to all of our patrons for supporting us. And thank you to you, the listener, for keeping this show going week after week. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.